Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, and we got ourselves a basketball podcast today. Uh, I am joined uh, by Chad Markulich. Chad, how you doing? Yo, what's going on? Not much. TJ McConnell uh, just hit a game winner in the face of both Chris Porzingis and Carmelo Anthony, so I don't know what to think anymore. Um, yeah, we also have Eric Gibson here. Eric, what's up? What's happening? Uh, not too much. We don't have uh, our usual fourth person. Uh, Dan Smith is unable to make it, and we had a guest lined up, but he forgot he had something else going on. So if you're listening, uh, person who's supposed to be on, thank you uh, for ditching us. We really appreciate that. <coughs> <coughs> I'm Sam Cooper of uh, Dr. Saturday. Uh, so yeah, uh, Penn State basketball uh, since the last time, which I believe was after, was it after the Pitt game we last spoke? I believe so, because we didn't get to yeah. discuss... How uh, we beat a great St. John's team. A great St. John's team, uh, according to Chad. Uh, 101 on Ken Palm. Uh, I'm not sure what Chad's cutoff for great is. but that's uh, right. Excuse you, they beat Syracuse and Butler after that. <laughs> so, thank you. So, yeah, uh, since we last spoke, Penn State 4-2 and two wins over uh, the aforementioned St. John's game in Morgan State, then lost at home to Northwestern in a bit of a shootout, then went to Rutgers, um, beat Rutgers, Lost a tough one in Michigan and then looked like the basketball team we all think they're capable of being against Michigan State. Uh, we'll we'll maybe touch on uh, those first four games that I just mentioned a little bit later. Uh, but the Nittany Lions are currently 10-7 and seven with a 2-2 two and two mark in the Big Ten. Over their last two games, I think were the two games that are really the most important for us to discuss. First is uh, against Michigan. Uh, Penn State played a pretty good first half. I mean, they took a 36-29 uh, to 29 lead into the locker room. And then just at the end, Michigan really turned the Jets on. Uh, Chad, I think uh, we'll start with you. When you look at this game, what was working for the first, uh, we'll, say, we'll say the first 30 minutes, and then what went wrong in the last tw- uh, 10 minutes to let Michigan get back in this game and ultimately win it? Well, mostly, I mean, they were hitting their shots. Um, Shep was four of six from three. Josh Reeves had two threes. Um, they were they were taking it to Michigan at Michigan uh, in the Chrysler Center. Um, the first thirty six minutes were really promising. They just, um, you know, it, it's it, a glimpse of what's to come with this team. I think um, Lamar Stevens. Lamar Stevens, uh, impressive in only uh, nineteen minutes after fouling out, but he had sixteen points. He was he was going right at. Uh, Michigan's fours and fives, and they, they had no answer for him. Um, and then, you know, just the last four minutes, it was kind of, well, this is a freshman team, and they really showed it because they just they kept turning the ball over in crucial spots and in live ball situations and leading to Michigan runouts, and uh, the Wolverines got back in the game. Um, thanks to some pretty, some I would say some heroic shot making from Zach Irvin and uh, Derek Walton, but that's beside the point because, as, you know, Still can't allow it to happen with a lead like that when you're leading the whole game. Um, but, um, you know, uh, overall, uh, not a bad result considering, you know, they were at least, you know, five, six-point underdogs going into that game. Um, Eric, uh, what did you take away from that? Yeah, they were 11-point they were underdogs, if, uh, Shit. if I remembered correctly. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was very positive about that game, which – uh, kind of like Chambers was, if if you remember, I, I know our Slack was pretty negative, and there was a lot of frustration, um, a lot of takes about you know that that meltdown that they had the last ten minutes of the game. Um, 
But for me, I was just too – one, I was just more impressed by the first 30 minutes. Uh, Michigan is a place that Chambers has never won. Uh, the, the numbers when they've gone to Michigan have been terrible. I think he said a quote in his presser was that the game would usually be over by halftime the previous four or five times they've gone to Ann Arbor. So seeing them come out in that first half, Lamar um, dominated that first half with 15 points. Um, they couldn't stop him. He was going into the rim, working his mid-range. Um, it was a really impressive performance from him. And then it kind of just it rubbed off on the rest of the team, like you said, with Shep making shots. So so the first three minutes was great. Um, but the last 10, obviously, <laughs> that was a, a typical uh, – I don't want to say typical, but we've certainly seen that uh, script play out before um, with this program. So it was very reminiscent of the Michigan meltdown – or the Maryland meltdown last year. Um, and, and when I watched it again, cause I, I did watch it again. Um, it was a, it was a mixture of things. They, they had some terrible turnovers without a doubt. Um, can't do that. The live ball turnovers that Michigan got some runouts and Michigan's not usually a team that'll push in transition, but they, uh, playing from behind, they, they got some runouts and got some threes. Um, but they also missed some shots. Uh, you know, Tony Carr missed a couple of free throws, um, he, he really had a tough last five minutes. Um, yeah, he took that three-pointer that a lot of people debated whether that was the right shot or not. Um, when I think they were down two with the ball, I can't remember how much time was on the clock. I want to say like 20 seconds or so. But um, mm-hmm. maybe, it was like, maybe it was closer to 10. But either way, so he pulled up for three. A lot of people don't like that shot. But you can see that the, you know they have confidence in Carr. That, he was a late-game winner um, throughout his whole high school career. Um so I don't know. I guess what I'm just saying though is, is just, I, this team wasn't prepared to be in a close game like that on the road, um, with the way this the season has gone. They haven't really been in any dog fights uh, with how many freshmen that they're playing. First couple big get ten games. I'm not really surprised that they they folded the way they did. Doesn't make it excusable um, or, or or what have you. But but as we saw in the next game, they came out and um, they built off of it and. Uh, beat Michigan State. Yeah, not to ruin Bill's transition that he's playing right here, but I mean, that was the first real game that they were, um, a real close game on the road they were in all season. Most most of the game has been like a blowout or um, they've, you know, they've lost, you know, blow in either direction basically, but this is the first time they've really been in a close game that they had to like, you know, take every possession at one at a time and and really make the most of it because, you know, like you said, that car shot, I, I like that shot. I mean, coming from a freshman like that who has the goal to take that kind of shot, um, I thought that was really yeah, and, encouraging and then, just to see him have that confidence. Yeah, and then nobody ever realized um, Watkins slipped on that. It was just a simple high mm-hmm. ball screen for him, and Watkins slipped. And, you know, some people might have said you could have made that pass to Watkins. Even if he didn't, though, Watkins was right there for the offensive rebound, like in perfect position with less than 10 seconds left for a put back. Um, but the problem is he missed long, and um, ball didn't bounce their way. Michigan got the rebound and, and wrapped it up from there. Um, right. And also, and let's be serious. If Lamar wasn't in foul trouble, um, I think Penn State would have won. Now, yeah. obviously, his fouls were what you would call freshman fouls. I remember mm-hmm. the one where he, it was like a transition. He got the intentional foul or whatever. That was <laughs> obviously not a very good decision, and he'll learn that. Um, so, you know what I mean? It's just kind of when you saw Wait, that was the Michigan State game, wasn't it? Well, I think it happened in the Michigan State game, too. Wasn't, was it- well, there was – it might not have been intentional, but either way. I remember his his fifth foul against Michigan was really dumb. It was like on a rebound, and he was fighting for like a ball yeah, that it was, it was they corralled already. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't an intentional foul, but no, I'm telling you, his fourth foul mm. was like they got out on a break and and he just shouldn't have fouled. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Okay. It wasn't intentional, but yeah, it was just a play that he shouldn't have made, especially mm-hmm. with his foul trouble and considering how valuable he was on offense. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of like you know, it, it, you knew they could beat that team, and the fact that you know at this stage, how early it is in the Big Ten season, the fact that they went on the road as you know double digit underdog and and almost pulled out a big win. Um, was promising. So yeah, and the, something I want to talk about is something that uh, Chad you alluded to, uh, and I want to get to the why of this. After this game, uh, a game that you know there really were a lot of positives. I mean, Lamar uh, was just really, really great, even if it wasn't limited time due to foul issues. Uh, Josh Reeves played a good game. Uh, Mike Watkins played very well on the road, and Shep started hitting some shots. Uh, but like you said, there was a lot of frustration, and I just want to know, and Chad, we start with you, and then Eric can go to you. Like After the game, what was it that made you so frustrated when there were so many positives to take away from this one, especially considering how young this team is? Uh, I mean, the frustrating thing was just you know the lack of execution down the stretch. They looked like... They didn't look like they were, you know, a team that belonged in the game almost uh, for the last two or three minutes, whatever it was. Um, so that was definitely frustrating. But you know, I, I, I mean, it is—it's still a young team. It's—it's it's hard to be patient. Um, I know a lot of fans are still are already trying to, um, you know, after that game, especially we're ready to 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 you know replace Pat at this point. But um, you know, it, it was a positive game overall, positive result considering the spread and considering the circumstances that they went into that game with. Um, you know, it's just, they'll figure it out. You know, that kind of experience is really good for a team like that. Just to, you know, see what it takes to win a close game on the road, the big 10, because they just haven't had that experience before because, you know, winning at Rutgers is definitely not the same as winning at Chrysler or any of any of these other places in the big 10 says who says, uh, everybody. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, (laughs) Erica, I want to ask you the same thing. Like, after the game, a lot of people really frustrated. Uh, and of course, you know, Penn State lost. People are going to be really upset with that. But it seemed like after this one, uh, some of the anger that, like, even though this loss seemed to have happened just because, you know, this is a young basketball team that's still figuring this th- these things out on the road against a very solid basketball team, people were still really mad that, the knee-jerk reaction, like Chad said, from some fans was, that's it. Uh, maybe it's time we start considering moving on from Pat. So where were you at after the game? And uh, going back and re-watching, were you able to maybe go like, you know what, different perspective, it wasn't as bad, or maybe it was not as great as I thought it was, something like that? Yeah, no, um, you know, when, when I rewatched it, it definitely confirmed my, like I said, my original thought that I didn't, I didn't think it was as bad um, as some other people did. But uh, the frustrating part is obviously, like, you know, it's never fun to lose. And the other thing is kind of like as, as a fan of this program, um, you know, you've just seen it so many times before. It's kind of like you just know it's going to happen and you just hope that they can do anything to hang on in the game and actually pull it out. And then when you just see it happen, it's just, you know, I think that's where some of the uh, overreaction comes from where you, you kind of lose sight of the big picture and it's immediately, Oh, let's, let's fire chambers. Um, you know what I mean? Just like if another shot goes another way, um, 
or if they do, you know, I mean, just, they just had some unfortunate luck down the stretch too. So I, I don't think it was all a complete meltdown. Um, you know, I think the frustrating part though, like when I saw it live, as far as the, the really frustrating place for me is sometimes this team has a tendency to, when they either turn the ball over or especially like, you know, pressing in like a late game situation, they'll make a mistake. Um, then they come back down the court and they try to make a, a crazy dive and then just get completely out of position. Um, and then they give up a shot. That happened with Peyton Banks um, during this stretch there where he, uh, I think he just missed a shot. I can't remember. Uh, but his way to try to make up for it was just hustling down the, the court, trying to one of those full court dives or whatever to tip the ball away, completely missing and then being way out of position to give up a, a shot that Michigan hit. So stuff like that kind of gets on my nerves. I know Reeves has done that a lot too, or like Reeves will pick up a foul or something. Um, then, you know, they got to learn not to uh, uh, compound their mistakes, but, but otherwise, you know, like, I think it, it, I think we were kind of validated just because of what happened in the next game at the Palestra. Like I do think, I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season turns out, but I think the Michigan game, was definitely a turning point in the sense that they, they didn't look anywhere near as good as they did in that game at any other point in the season. Maybe St. John's, um, you know, because they had that, obviously, that dominating run in the St. John's game. But Michigan's a much better opponent than St. John's, so. Yeah, and, um, oh, no, go ahead. you want to make one more point? No, nah, no. Nah. All right, awesome. Like, the one thing that I was super optimistic about after this one like we've mentioned, watching Lamar Stevens, I had a friend uh, before the season who he knows Philly basketball. He watched Roman a bit. And the one thing that he was 100% certain about was that Lamar Stevens was going to be a better college player than Tony Carr. Not because Tony Carr isn't good. Tony Carr is very good. I mean, he didn't have his best, did not have his best game against Michigan. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Like, young dude on the road, it happens. But he was 100% convinced that Lamar Stevens, uh, there was just something about him, uh, something about his game and how it was going to translate to college basketball. And that, that was absolutely the case. And I think that this Michigan game, we really saw that he's the kind of guy who he's, when, when Penn State is in a tough game on the road against a really good team, I think one big thing that we kind of overlook with a lot of freshmen is they have a tendency in those situations to play a little bit scared. He did not play scared. He went out there and he played really, really great. Again, save for the 5,000. He had some turnover issues. 16 points, uh, 9 rebounds, 6 of 9 from the field in 19 minutes. So the more that Lamar plays, the more optimistic I get about what the future of this team looks like, not just for the rest of this year, but heading forward, and I think that we really got to see uh, ju just how good he is and how he is willing to put this team on his back during the game at the Palestra. 18 points, uh, 7 for 12 from the field. Uh, so before we get into this game, I want to talk about Lamar Stevens. This is, uh, th this is really a tough thing to determine right now, but... I think it's important for basketball teams to say this guy is our alpha dog. This is the guy we're going to go to in situations where we need a bucket or we need something big to happen. I think Lamar has established himself as the guy 
on the team who is able to do that right now. Uh, Eric, what do you think about that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? And if you do disagree, uh, who's the guy that, you know, Penn State's down by one with eight seconds left. Who do you want the ball in the hands of? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, that, that would be, you know, in that particular situation, in the last possession, you know, usually you grab the ball in the point guard's hands with, with Tony Carr. But, um, no, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised with Lamar Stevens, too. And honestly, I would be comfortable with Lamar Stevens in that situation, too, especially um, the way he looked last week. Um, again, we, we just talked about his foul trouble. If he didn't get in foul trouble, he probably would have won freshman of the week um, in the conference because he would have put up numbers. Penn State probably would have went 2-0. and And he would have averaged like 20 and like 8 for the week or, or whatever. So he, he looked really good last week. Um, I've been really uh, surprised with how comfortable he has been um, creating and looking for his own shot. Um, he's been recognizing mismatches. Um, you know, I don't, I know you don't want to talk about the Michigan. I keep trying to move on to the Michigan state game, brother. You're not, you're not doing it. With me, but, <laughs> no, um, yeah. I mean, Lamar in the Michigan state game, you know, the, the big turning point in that game for me, um, and, and Dockage kind of, uh, agreed kind of went on the, on the broadcast when I rewatched it. Um, the last two minutes or last three minutes of the second half or first half when, um, Penn State had to go small because I think Julian had three and Mike had two, or they both were in foul trouble. Um, so he tried Lamar at the five for for two minutes, and he uh, scored I think on three straight possessions against against Nick Ward, um, which extended Penn State's lead from like five to twelve at halftime, which was that was a big turning point for me. So and, and that was all Lamar, um, you know, the up and under the spin, up and under in the lane. Um, that was a pretty move. Um, so he, he's clearly got a bright future. He's kind of what we always hoped Ross Travis would be, obviously. Um, That's a Ross fun one. Just, Ross just never had the touch and the uh, offensive skill that Lamar already has as a freshman. Um, so going to be a fun four, uh, four years or however long he's here. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, so if all of you uh... – didn't catch that. Uh, Eric is saying that Lamar Stevens is going to go to the NBA and get drafted. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I think you meant NFL. He, he, he compared to the Ross Travis. Ah, uh, so yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, noted noted Kansas City Chiefs tight end Ross Travis. Uh, so Chad, kind of the same question to you. Like in those late game situations, it, has Lamar established himself as the guy who you want the ball in his hands? You want him uh, either making a play happen or just lowering his shoulder and barreling through some dudes and getting the points himself. Yeah. I mean, they haven't really been in a situation like that aside from the Michigan game, but um, you know, if, if they're in a situation where, situation where they need uh, one or two points, I think Lamar is definitely the go-to guy. Um, you know, he's not a three point right yet, but he, he's getting to the line at a really great rate. Um, and he's a really good foul shooter too. So, you know, if you put him in a, you know, a post-up situation or something, a face-up situation on the wing, I think he's he's definitely your best option on offense. Um, you know, Tony Carr is the other guy, obviously, that we would uh, look to. He's not been super efficient yet this year, but, um, you know, he, he's demonstrated the ability to get to the rim, uh, you know, better than almost anybody else on the team um, besides Lamar. So uh, between those two guys, I think that's, that's the pretty clear answer unless there's some kind of play pad draws up to get uh, Shep or, or Mike Watkins a look inside. Uh, Shep on the outside, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean they have options on offense. It's just they're still still putting it together, but uh, the, the future's definitely bright. 
Yeah. Uh, so let's let's uh, finally get to the point where we talk about the Michigan State game. Um, I thought, uh, Chad, and we'll start with you on this one. We've been talking on this podcast how we see the flashes from this team of it being a good basketball team, not a you know good for Penn State, like just a legitimately pretty good basketball team. And mixed with the fact that the Big Ten isn't exactly having the best year, we knew that if they were able to put together a complete basketball game, they could take some teams down. And I would argue that the Michigan State game better than any other game proved that. Did the Michigan State game prove that to you as well? Um, yeah, it was definitely the best showing of the year. They beat this is the best team they've beat this year. Um, you know, Michigan State got. I mean, Miles Bridges was not 100% back, and Tom Izzo said as much after the game that he's not in game shape yet quite, but um, that's a good team they beat. Um, there's a lot of a lot of talented players like Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, who had a great game, um, Aaron Harris, Josh Langford, who would start for a lot of Big Ten teams, and that's, that. you know, obviously a team coached by Tom Izzo, that's, that's not an easy victory for anybody. Um, and I was just really impressed by... Um, the way they played on defense because they had that lull uh, on offense in the second half that you kind of expected they would have, but they really defended their asses off all game. Um, you know, they held Michigan State to 41% shooting. Um, aside from Nick Ward, nobody really did much damage. Uh, aside from uh, Tom Tom Nairn, who also had some uh, good looks at the rim, but otherwise it was a really complete effort on defense and and just the, the versatility they have on defense that. You know, Mike Watkins and Lamar Stevens brings them. Um, you know, they can they can play Lamar at the five. They can play um, Mike and Lamar together. They can you know, and, and these are guys who can go out and guard on the perimeter too. Um, so I thought it was just a really uh, strong and organized effort on defense that won this game for them. Yeah, uh, Eric, same uh, same question to you. Yeah, no, the the um, the defense was definitely uh, the highlight, um, and, and the first half uh, was the offense. Um, but the second half, they started settling, uh, and, and I didn't think they got too many bad looks, but, um, you know, Shep's shot was off. I know Lamar had a couple rim out. Um, and I forget what the numbers were, but I remember like the offensive numbers in the second half were terrible, but you know, they went wire to wire against, um, the, the league's kind of premier program, um, in Philly. Like, you know, we gotta like, you know, talk about the hype of this game, you know, being at the Palestra, um, packed house and sold out months ago, um, playing in front of family and friends, you know, with this kind of youth, it was, it was really impressive how composed and focused they were, um, from the start and the whole game. Uh, they never, they never wavered, um, when the shots weren't falling. And like, like Chad was saying, when they hit that wall, they still kept defending. Um, that was a, uh, Certainly, it seemed like a growing up moment for them, um, you know, kind of really confidence boost to really show what they can be. Uh, you know, you don't want to make any, you know, big statements here in the middle of the season. We all know the ups and downs of the season, but it definitely was it definitely feels like a turning point. Um, so we can only hope for the rest, like you said, with the Big Ten being as as down as it is or not necessarily down, but at least just competitive across the board. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see what this team can do, maybe even um, making a run at the NIT or something. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Um, yeah. So when I was watching this, the thing that kept sticking out uh, to me 
is that whenever Penn State uh, is able to get a win over, you know, one of the better programs in the Big Ten, it always feels like, you know, maybe if this one little thing uh, goes a little bit differently, Penn State's able to win, or Penn State had uh, a night from three that they don't usually have, or just some weird thing goes in Penn State's favor that leads to it, you know, being an upset. To me, this didn't feel like an upset. It felt like the like just two basketball teams went out and played, and one team was just straight up better than the other one, which Penn State, I, I mean, it does that from time to time, but against a team the caliber of Michigan State, it was a bit of a surprise, and it was something that uh, I, I really hope, kind of like Eric just mentioned, this is kind of used as the turning point of sorts for this season. Um Eric, I want to talk about Mike Watkins a little bit. Um, uh, what about him? <laughs> I, I am going to go out and say that while Lamar is is establishing himself as, you know, that the team's like alpha dog kind of guy, I would argue that Mike Watkins is the team's most important player. What he is able to do on offense, being a legitimate low post scoring threat, the way that he is able to defend the rim on defense is it, it, it's incredible. And that doesn't even take into account that Penn state's depth chart at center is um, not the best thing in the world. So that, whoa, whoa. all right, all right, all right. Hold on. First off, hold Wait, on. Oh, 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 Julian played very well in that first half. Yeah. He played, he played a good first half. Definitely. Until he was eaten alive by miles bridges in the second half. Well, but, I mean, um, I sat next to Eric at, at the Palestra, and uh, on at least three or four occasions, we looked at each other with like these huge expressions of surprise on our faces to see like Julian doing good things over and over and over again. So I just wanted to point that out that Julian is looking a lot better recently. He's he's playing fine, and fortunately, because of Watkins, like he doesn't need to be better than fine, which is you know pretty good, but. Again, I will argue, and Eric, you could say whether you think this is right or wrong. Watkins is Penn State's most important player. No, I I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I would at least say he's the most indispensable player, just because they can't replace what he does, um, both on defense and on offense. Um, he came out and scored. How many baskets did he score in the first half? Like in the first five minutes, I feel like he scored like three in a row. Um, it was it, it was just basic pick and roll and slip into the basket. I know Josh found him a couple times. Um, Chef found him on his on his dunk where he just kind of glided through the lane. Um, yeah, no, nah, he's. I mean, we 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 can already start talking about kind of where, where his potential as far as all time great big men. Um, you know, as a freshman, that is just. I know I haven't seen any big man with this kind of potential come through the program in the 20 years I've watched it. Um, well, we haven't seen Frank Burkowski, so. Yeah, no, there's definitely, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Brick squad, you know. baby. Oh, so I'm half joking, but no, go ahead. Got to show respect to Jesse Arnell and, and, the, yep. and the goats, but um, no, he, he's just in the modern era, though. It's great. And, and then, and, you know, it's kind of like this is what we're, you know, the kind of the theme that's kind of developing here as we, we talk about this team and then we talk about their options and, and the balance that they have, you know, they can go to three or four different players on this team um, and rely on them because they have their own individual talent to come through. 
you know, Watkins, the way he's been finishing at the rim and the way, you know, he went straight up with Ward, who had been playing very well. Um, you know, he's a player and uh, he's only going to get better. Um, love the fact that he can usually stay out of foul trouble. I know he had a little, some issues on uh, Saturday, but um, but yeah, he's definitely their most indispensable player. Like we don't, let's not even talk about what this team would look like without him. <laughs> it would not be good. Chad, are you brave enough to uh, to disagree on this? No, of course not. Damn it, Chad. Uh, Mike, Mike is a special talent. Even you know he didn't have any sh- any block shots the first time all year in that game, and he still affected you know so many uh, from Nick Ward and uh, just you know every every driver, and he was out defending in the perimeter too for uh, a lot of plays too, just because the way they switch on ball screens and, and just, you know, the feminine transition. So, um, yeah, he, he's clearly the most indispensable player, like Eric said. And, um, yeah, just I, I don't want to imagine this team without him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I want to give two quick shout-outs uh, for Penn State players in this game. First up, uh, Peyton Banks came up really big in the first half. Uh, I believe 10 of his 11 points uh, were scored. In the first two half. big corner threes, yeah. two big corner threes. Yes, yeah, uh, he's... what was that, Eric? I said, no, they, yeah, there's two. Oh. I'm sorry, I was just agreeing. Like the two threes in transition from the corner, they were clutch. Yeah, he uh, he, he very much likes playing in the palestra. So, if you need any more proof that Penn State basketball needs to play more games at Rec Hall, just watch how Peyton Banks plays at a historic venue in Philadelphia. And then, of course, uh, got to give some love to Josh Reeves who. Uh, his offense, when he's not hitting threes, just consists of him cutting and dunking, and it's perfect in every single way. And the way that he stuffs the stat sheet, um, which it, it's awesome. Like he is only—he's averaging eight point three points per game, but he's also you know two point three steals a night, two point seven assists a night, four point five rebounds a night. He's averaging almost a block a game. I, I mean, I. Uh, outside of you know Lamar and uh, Lamar and Mike, I think Josh may be the guy who I have the most fun watching on this team because I don't know how many points he's going to score, but I know he's going to crash the glass. I know he's able to initiate the offense, and I know he's going to have that one or two those one or two moments a game where you know someone is squaring up to take a three and he's down on the block and he just gets there in like two steps and sends it back and initiates the fast break like it's awesome so yeah josh reeves and peyton banks keep doing you um and josh is definitely like the heart and soul of the team too oh, like yeah. you watch you watch him like he he reacts to everything and um I, the block he had against cassius winston i only saw us on the on the journey uh slow motion stuff they put out uh i think it was yesterday uh it's on the site check it out roarlandsroar.com oh. um he uh he, he's what he like swatted Cassius Winston shot into the ground in play, and before the ball was recovered by anybody, he like turned and and talked shit to Cassius Winston while he was on the ground. It was it was so great. Here's here's a fun and, Josh. I, and I love Josh. Here's a fun Josh yeah. stat. Uh, last year in 620 minutes, he recorded 36 steals. This year in a little over half the time, he's at 27. So he is, uh, yeah, like he's he's the guy who I think that. Uh, Penn State has a few guys who I think can really, you know, dictate the tempo of the game and how the game is going to go on the offensive side of the floor more than anyone. I think that's Josh on defense. Like 
he seems like he really relishes getting to guard dudes on the perimeter and just raising hell for people. So uh, I, I don't think he's ever going to turn into a you know twenty point score or anything, but he's still going to be really really fun. So he's twentieth nationally let's, in steal rate too. Yeah, let's talk about his offense though. Yeah, I mean, he's, better. He's hitting threes, baby. His conference numbers so far are probably probably um, the best on the team. Like, I'll, I'll look it up here. One second. He's shooting is he's got a fifty three effective field goal percentage in the four Big Ten games, which yeah, I, I, is this, unheard of. The thing, five of thirteen in the Big Ten shoot uh, from three point range. And the thing he does so well is thirty eight percent. I I think that this is almost an underrated skill. He knows what his limitations are on offense. Like last year, he would ha- do those drives where he kind of just like lowered his shoulder and barreled towards the hoop and then threw up a runner and hoped it went in. This year, he seems to know, like, okay, so when I have an open three, I'm going to shoot that open three. When I have a path to the basket, I'm going to exploit it, but I'm not going to try and force things. And understanding what your limitations are is, it's a skill, and I think probably more than anyone on this team, Josh understands his limitations and never tries to play outside of them. At the very least, if he hit, if he hits threes at a respectable rate like this, the defense can't just sag off and like you know, I'm sure they would love yeah. to um, because he's not going to hit threes. But if he's if he's hitting them, then they have to respect that, and that opens up lanes for everybody else. So, it's it, you know, uh, obviously, guy makes shots is good thing is clearly a good thing. But um, yeah, it, Josh is getting a lot better as a sophomore as, as we probably should have expected. Yeah, I, I would agree, Eric. Uh, any thoughts on uh, on Josh? And he can pass. <laughs> oh yes, six assists last game, man. It's it's like he he's he's definitely fun. Um, just kind of a, an unorthodox player because, yeah. like you said, he mm-hmm. kind of doesn't really ever look for a shot. Um, at least on offense, but uh, but he's everywhere. He he just he's always making plays. I mean, you you probably would, you know. I think they said people were surprised he only had six points out of the game because. You I think remember Josh right away that. all those dunks. Mm. You know, he's, he's crazy. I don't yeah. know. I, I love him very much. <laughs> he's fun. I, I would very much like it uh, if just the next, you know, two and a half years of Penn State basketball or Josh Reeves consistently flying around like a madman and, you know, just making plays and, again, setting the tempo for what this team does on defense and then turning that into offense in ways that no one else on the team could really do. Uh Let's move on. Uh, Penn State, uh, the schedule starting on, I will say September 4th becomes very, uh, not September 4th. Wow. Football mode already. Woo! Yeah, listen, man, we did a football podcast last night. I'm just not over any of that. But yeah, February 4th. Saturday. No, no, no. Saturday is when it really picks up. Time out, time out, time out. Let's not jump ahead too far here. Sorry, this four game, this, this four game stretch. Well, hold, hold on, the, hold the on. They have. I I'm think. Not, you know, I got, c- calm down. I got a, a, Let me say I got an observation. I just want to get out here. Go ahead. All right. But it's completely. Sorry, it's going to be completely off topic. But <laughs> Josh Reed's first player comparison for this year. Is <laughs> oh, Chris I saw it. Kramer. Chris <laughs> Kramer. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah. <laughs> God. You remember Bill? You probably don't even know Chris Kramer. He played for Purdue. Oh yeah, he he was uh, he was Aaron Kraft before Aaron Kraft. Yeah, he was Aaron Kraft before Aaron Kraft. A little. Yeah, I was going to say, Eric, I, I how old do you mind. think I am? <laughs> huh? I didn't know if you were watching Big Ten basketball, like you know, because Kramer was older than me. 
You, you didn't think I was watching Big Ten basketball when I was 16 years old? I mean, were you watching Penn State basketball when you were 16 years old? Hell no. <laughs> but I was watching Big okay, Ten basketball. Then. Okay, then. Well, hey, I'm, I'm impressed that you know Chris Kramer. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that we just shared that moment together. Uh, but yeah, so the schedule in terms of, you know, it gets to a point where Penn State can really start, you know, ripping off win, something of a win streak and padding its re- – I don't even want to say padding its records that because that implies, you know, they're playing against cupcakes. But February 4th, it gets to a point where Penn State plays a whole bunch of games it could win. Before that, the next six games, home against Minnesota, home against Indiana, at Purdue, at Wisconsin, home against Illinois, which is a bit of a a bit of a re, uh, reprieve from all this, and then going to Indiana. I think, uh, and Chad, I'll start with you, if Penn State is able to get out of this stretch with two wins, so if they're able to go two and four over the next six games, uh, that gets them to uh, 12 and 11 on the season and four and six in conference with a bunch of winnable games on the horizon. I think that that really helps their chances of making it to, I, I, I want to say the NIT is the postseason tournament they're probably going to be targeting. So what do you think this team needs to do over the next uh, six games so that by the time it gets to their final eight games, they're able to go, hey, you know what, maybe we could uh, win some things, maybe get a first round by in the Big Ten tournament, that kind of thing. Uh, the next six, uh, you know, it's it's a challenge. It's really challenging. Um, there are maybe two wins in there, um, potentially three. But I, I'm looking at the next two, uh, next two home games: Minnesota and Indiana. Next two games, in fact, um, which are the really the really big yeah, ones. Saying, like, what, what, what are we talking about? Six games. <laughs> yeah, man, these next two are huge. Are we um, not going to podcast for like another month. Like, what the heck? <laughs> it's possible. It's not. We'll, we'll replace you if we have to. Um, All right. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota, they just got ran out of the gym in uh, the Breslin Center tonight against Michigan State. Um, they're kind of a weird team. They had some good wins. Uh, they're What are they, top five in RPI coming in today, I think? Yeah, they were rolling until tonight. Yeah, um, so that's a really talented team. Um, Reggie Lynch is uh, a big man they haven't really faced before. He's, he's number one in the country in shot, uh, shot blocking rate. Um, you know, they, that's a really talented team who really needs... Former uh, teammate you know, of Graham Woodward. Yes, <laughs> I knew you were going to pull that Why out. Why did you I have to do that, that Eric? Why did you have to hurt us all? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I just had to get that in there. Anyways. Um, yeah, Minnesota's looking for, you know, it, it, we can kind of derail their season a little bit the way they, they did against Northwestern last year. Um, but even still, I think they're probably bound for the tournament. Um, and Indiana's in really some dire straits right now. They could they cannot afford a loss at Penn State, so they'll have um, – a lot to play for in that game. A lot of pressure on uh, Coach Tom Crean. Um, might get some good Crean faces there. Um, so I don't look too far ahead to. I mean, Purdue, Wisconsin's obviously the toughest back-to-back stretch they have all year. Um, but these next two against Minnesota, Indiana at the BJC are really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I was going to say, Eric, you've kind of been banging the hammer that uh, with uh, again with how down the Big Ten is and how this team has some talent on it on any given night they can win. So what are your expectations going into Minnesota and Indiana? Well, like, like, like you just said, we can win. So, um, you know, I expect close competitive games. I think Penn State matches up pretty well. Um, 
at least with Indiana, I think the style of play between those two teams will be it'll be it's going to be fun to watch that game. You know, honestly, Penn State's played pretty well against Indiana um, since Pat's been here, at least better than some of the other schools. I know they've beaten them a few times, um, but I definitely look forward to this game, especially with Indiana struggling. I feel like it's going to be another chance for Penn State to uh, rile up the Cream haters. Um, get their pitchforks out. So oh, full force if you lose at yeah. Penn State. If you, yeah, if they lose at Penn State again. Like, I mean, who, who do they have a game before? They have to have a game before. before. Uh, let's check the schedule. Rutgers. So yeah, they're going to beat Rutgers. Oh man, so they'll be well, two and three. But, um, <laughs> what what yeah. what if you know they what, I mean? if they catch back to back L's? Pe- Rutgers and Penn that's, State. That's that's not even worth. Well, I'm saying like even, like Rutgers doesn't. You know, Rutgers. Chad, you were the one who was saying that Penn State may be worse than Rutgers a few weeks ago. So I don't want to hear this out of you. Things have changed, okay? Things have changed. <laughs> I saw Rutgers play. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, yo, Indiana, Indiana's lost four out of five. You know, beating Rutgers is not going to wipe away the uh, no the uh, criticism that they're under right now. So if they lose to Penn State, then things will definitely not be good in Bloomington. Um, so if I had to pick between the two, I would rather beat Indiana just for that. But um, Minnesota, like, you know, you got to look at both. Like, you know, they're both still NCAA tournament teams right now, um, assuming Indiana can get it turned around, which, you know, that might be hard for you, for people who haven't watched Minnesota to um, grasp considering how terrible their year was last year. Um, but those guys really defend. So for Penn State against Minnesota, they definitely uh, got to shoot well, um, especially at home. Because the uh, Gophers can really uh, protect the rim, and, and uh, Indiana will be interesting. They'll be running and gunning. So hopefully, uh, Lamar Stevens can uh, put in some work this week. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but with Minnesota, I was wondering this the other day, and then I didn't look it up because I didn't care enough. But Penn State was like, it, it gave Amir Coffee a look in uh, recruiting, correct? Yeah, they uh, offered him, but he was he was never going anywhere here, yeah. other than uh, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota was his hometown team, so yeah, I don't think he was. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I was, yeah he played at, at Minnesota. Yeah, I was wondering why I remembered a Minnesota basketball recruit so well, and I couldn't think of why. Uh, you mean like Graham Wilbur? <laughs> the hell, Eric? <laughs> like. Oh, you know what? I haven't looked him up in a while. Let's yeah, see what let's, Drake's let's doing this year. He's not having a good year. Last I checked. Oh man. He's at neither home. is Drake. He's at still at Drake. Yeah, Drake is four and twelve on the year. Graham. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is because Drake. Oh, burped. oh, oh Graham. Graham. No, not like this, Graham. Oh like no, this. he's only shooting twenty six point seven percent from three. Yeah, it's okay. He's another year to figure it all out. You realize he's been benched. Oh man. Like if you look at the uh, their most frequent lineups the last five games, yeah, he's not playing. <laughs> so I don't know if he's hurt, but um, he's not been having a good game. Actually, I mean, no, he's been getting minutes. He's getting few, but I'm depressed now. Uh, his... how, how was he starting for Penn State's freshman year? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you sure, baby? Come on now. Love, like, love you, Graham. I, he played very well in their first two games of the year, which he was were good. He was good in a few Dakota games for Penn State. Remember the uh, Ohio State win? He was really he good in that game. Three straight Ohio State's definitely what he's remembered for. Yeah, he uh, well, eleven the Aaron Craft game. Yeah, uh, you mean the game where uh, DJ knew? You have to specify which one. Yeah, yes. There are multiple games he lost that year to Penn State. Yeah, Aaron Craft <laughs> sucked. Yeah, speaking of that, Mata. 
Oof. Yeah. Ooh, I, yeah. Let's, let's talk Big Ten a little bit. Yeah, I was going to. So uh, I was actually. Uh, so uh, Sam Vecini, formerly of, uh, of CBS, he did a call out for questions, and I was considering asking him, like, yo, so you're an Ohio State guy. At what point do does Thad start going, like, hey, you know what? I may be unemployed sometime soon. And right now, like, they're one of two winless teams in the conference. Like, they just do not look like a good basketball team. Eric, what is wrong with an Ohio State team that we're kind of used to being one of the better programs in the Big Ten? Uh, well, admittedly, I haven't I haven't caught a lot of Ohio State this year, so I, I don't want to say or, or try to guess what is their specific problem. All right, fine, Obviously, Chad, you start talking. They're just, they're just not that good. I don't know. I mean, they lost Kata Bates job for the year. Yeah, um, and he was their main scorer. Um, and they just, I mean, I mean, they have a lot of guys who just never really f- fulfilled their potential. Um, Cam Williams has been, you know, like a, a spot up shooter for mostly for his career. He hasn't taken that next step. Um, Trevor Thompson's in a decent to good big man, but I mean, they just don't have, they don't seem to have the, the players they used to have. You know, Thad was used to, Thad used to recruit five star kids all the time, and now they just don't have, you know, they had D'Angelo Russell. Two years ago, but since him, they haven't had that kind of player there. So, yeah, I mean, it just no, they don't. It just boils down to talent, I think. And uh, I, I can't imagine they're going to fire Thad after this year. Yeah. But, um, it's, but there, but there it, are some Ohio, there are some Ohio State fans who oh, they're very angry at him. Yes, yeah. we're very angry and think it may be time. Which, like, listen, if after this, this is what his twelfth year at the helm. Like, if after twelve, there, what was that? been there forever yeah he's like, been there yeah. forever so it, it may just be fatigue of you know he got them to a final four in 2011 and they were a runner-up in 2006 and ever since then it's just been like oh this is a solid not great basketball team but pretty solid starting to feel like the jamie dixon that uh, jamie dixon at pit situation mm-hmm. or it's just it's not good enough anymore um yeah which seems ridiculous because they've made yeah. seven out of the last eight NCAA tournaments but you know whatever yeah yeah, so Thad Mata, we're uh, we're we're all rooting for you, buddy, to maybe maybe figure it all out. Uh, let's see. Doesn't oh, work out. Dad gets fired. Come come home. Yeah, Thad. come. We'll, we'll take yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on down. Come be in a be an assistant coach. We'll happily take you. Un- unless you mean you want him to coach the Sixers after Brett. Yeah, gets fired. It, yeah. Well, sure. I, no, I'm saying if if Pat were to get fired and Thad would also get fired, uh, we'll we'll take him gladly. Yeah, because sure. he's a great coach. Um, Mood point. Yes. Continue. Uh, so let's see. Any y- y'all want to talk about uh, talk about Northwestern a little bit? No. Okay. Yeah, we not, won't do that. I mean, I don't know. They lost to Minnesota, beat Nebraska. Is this, is which, this, Chad? Is this the year? Uh, uh, no. Yeah, I was gonna say like oh, yeah. the answer was no based on your reaction, even if you said yes. So. Well, I'll say yes, and Chad will be wrong at the end of the year. <laughs> Yo, I, I, I am. Let the record show I'm never wrong about basketball this year. Everything I've said has been true. Um, uh, St. John's see. is good. Uh, Rutgers uh, is fine. I was going to say I want to go pull up your Rutgers may be better than the Penn State tape just to <laughs> shove, shove that in your face. Which, uh, uh, again, I cannot say this enough. It's another game we got to play against them. There so was a t- there was a thought we were going to win like two games. Yeah, that was fun. There was a time. <laughs> Where Chad, with a, uh, it was over the internet, but I'm going to assume it was with a straight ass face, 
was saying Penn State could lose to Rutgers. And he, like, whatever Chad says will not take away from the fact that he sounded completely serious about it. Uh, Penn State then went into uh, the rack, which is one of the more prestigious places to play in the Big Ten. And the trap. Yeah. I call it the trap. The trap. It's a giant trapezoid. It's it's the trap house. <laughs> yeah, and sixty to forty-seven. So uh, still Chad, get another game against Rutgers this year. So I can still be right. Chad, so. Chad, just just sit there and take you your watch head. yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Northwestern. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel good about it. Just because it's Northwestern. If it was another program, I'd be okay with it. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't trust it. What if yet. it was another program that never made the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Does it exist? Well, I'm sure there's there's de- there's definitely other programs. I just can't remember what they are. Let's see. What's did did uh, William and Mary make it? I know Stony Brook made it last year. Has um, Alabama State ever made it? Let's not even do this. This is so stupid. Yeah, yeah <laughs> come on. This uh, is pointless. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, ruining our podcast. Let's see this this schedule here. They got Rutgers, Iowa, Ohio State. Uh, any tough games? Indiana at home is a big one. Purdue away yet? Uh, at Wisconsin. I don't know, man. Uh, they they're really good, but yeah, let's say I, I'm surprised you don't believe in them. I mean, they've looked good to me. I was really impressed by the way they the, mopped the, the floor with us. The big thing is Macintosh is not playing well. Exactly. So what if he starts playing well? What it, what this supposes? What if he doesn't? Because what if what if There's he's still Dave winning Sobol- though without him? What if he's Dave Sobolewski? Oh yeah, <laughs> there we go. There's a Northwestern <laughs> basketball Dave deep Sobolewski. cut. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, it's not. <laughs> you think Brian McIntosh is Dave Sobolewski? <laughs> I'm saying he could be going down a similar career path. Uh, as guys, Dave I just I just uh, found Dave Sobolewski's <laughs> LinkedIn page. It's the third thing that comes up when you Google Dave Sobolewski. Oh, Good for, what's he doing? What's he well, up? He's an yeah. analyst at uh, Chatham Asset Management LLC, which I that, that that seems like a good job. So Dave Sobolewski, on the off chance that you're listening to this, I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, good for him. Yeah. Oh man, his career was fun. Uh, any other Big Ten things that uh, Chad you would like to discuss? Um, not really. Other than it's just a wild ass year. Who do you think's the best team? Who's going to get fired? Oh well. One at a time, one at a time, please. Hold on. Who's it? Who's uh, so first? we'll do mine first because that's serious, and then we'll end with Eric's because that's kind of a fun question. Um, All right. One. What is the best team? Wisconsin. Do you want more than that? Because I can give you more. Yeah, I was going to say, Eric. Do you have any objections? Uh, no, I would go with Wisconsin as well. You you, you don't believe in uh, my, my my large adult sons at Purdue. Eh. Biggie, um, I believe in Biggie. Uh, I like Biggie too. Isaac Pass, not so much. I've seen them do some dumb things in some games, so we'll see. Yeah, and then uh, the fun question from Eric: Who gets fired? Who gets fired? Oh, who gets fired? Yeah, I love this question. Um, John Gross is getting fired. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, Even with the recruiting class. Yeah, they're sick of him. They I don't agree. care. I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, that's it. I think honestly, I don't know who you, else would. You, you, don't, on the you don't think if things start, uh, Tim I, Miles I, I is mean, doing I was really go- well. I was going to say, like, up, if things rate. get a little bit sour, could Tim Miles be in some trouble? Probably not. I mean, they started three and one. Nebraska could win like 
nine and ten games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, he was only ever in danger with like a you know four or five one season. I, I think. Mean, they but... started, when you start with road wins at, mm-hmm. at Indiana and Maryland, like your schedule is going to get a lot easier. So, yep. um, they're still in a pretty good spot. We'll see how they do though. Who so yeah, out, outside of Tom Crean because that's the obvious answer. What firing would make you laugh the hardest? Mm. I, I can't believe this isn't obvious. The answer is Fran McCaffrey. Fran, Fran's not getting fired. They're so young. I, I, I know, but if if, I, if I we were to have some I kind like of, the, I like having Fran in the conference because he's he gets he's easily the most uh, the coach who gets the most nude and red online <laughs> at games. Um, so I want him there. Um, the funny, other funniest answers. I mean, I mean, I like, guess that is yeah, I, I because Ohio State fans like, are ridiculous Green, at this point. Green with, with is that, the but. unquestionable easiest answer to this question. That's right, ever right. Eric, who do you think gets fired? Oh, I would agree with John Gross. Um, and that may be it. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a weird year. It's going to be. There's easy. no other obvious candidates. I mean, the only the only other thing uh, that John could. If Northwestern doesn't make it, and that um, that thing with uh, who's that player that, that they tried to run off oh, campus Vassar. Yeah. with that, uh, he's Vassar. No. if that that's blown over already because they're winning, so um, yeah, if something happens with that, then that then maybe, but otherwise, I think it's just gross this year. All right. Well, uh, we will be sure to uh, to have some fun at the end of the year if there is any. Uh, if there are any firings that surprise us and make us laugh, um, anything else you guys want to talk about or you want to end this one? No, we're good. I think we're good. We're good. Good. All right. Well, as always, thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on all of our social media channels, Twitter at RLR blog on Facebook, roar lines, roar, subscribe on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, uh, subscribe on Google play. If you use Google play, uh, I think Eric may use that, but that may be it for people I know. Uh, yeah. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Do all of that. And, yeah, buy some shirts. They're very nice shirts. Uh, for Chad Markulix, for Eric Gibson, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Chad, Hi, I'm recording I'm again. We're going to talk about this. This is an addendum. Uh, Eric wanted to keep <laughs> talking about something. So, Eric, what would you want to say? Wait, is this real? I was totally I'm, I'm recording right now, so it can be. <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah. Um, shit, yo, I, I'm about to like... So, the crowd of Flesha was a goddamn joke. Everyone says it was amazing. <laughs> it was... I was very frustrated, like, the whole time. You well, were. You that, really to, were. To be clear, to be clear, <laughs> you were not mad at the amount of noise that they were making at certain points. You were more mad that they were, like, completely unorganized and no one had yes. to cheat, knew what to do for a uh, basketball game, uh, right? He was mad. He yes. was mad that nobody was doing anything. They were completely reactionary um, <laughs> if that. And you know what I mean? Like it was just frustrating because like Michigan State on offense looked so terrible. Um, especially down the stretch. They had so many garbage possessions where they didn't really know what to do. But then like the- while I'm watching this unfold, I'm like, why isn't this place like ringing? Like why why aren't my ears ringing right now? Because these guys clearly don't know what you're doing. That's when you're supposed to get loud and make it hard for the opponent. Yeah. 
and everyone's just sitting on their hands. So and yet all you get to hear about is how great the crowd was on Saturday. I want to like. You must have turned to me like well, three times for, for one, and and looked at your phone and said, "I'm about to put this crowd on blast." This is so ridiculous. <laughs> for one, we, we we should note that the person who uh, was the most fired up about the crowd and just Penn State basketball in general uh, was one Daniel Dockich. and when he's uh, when he's really fired up over something, you can almost it, it's almost certainly wrong with, uh, and I say that with all due respect to coal miners, uh, but. It, it almost sounds like you're arguing that Penn State, if the crowd was a little more into it, it could have. Like, are you arguing that they could have sealed the game a little bit sooner if the crowd was really fired up and getting Michigan State rattled, and maybe instead of Penn State winning by nine, they're able to win by, you know, fifteen or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a believer in the fact that the crowd makes the sole difference. Like, I can't say like, oh, if this, if this, if the crowd was like this, the crowd's this good for six happened. points or whatever. But you know, you. I mean, we've seen it in college basketball that the crowd has an impact, and to be in a venue that was like that, where it's just susceptible to getting so loud, um, it should have been better. And I'm telling you, it would have been more humiliating if Michigan State played better. Um, you know, that, that go green, go white chant was really annoying. And the fact that like, here was Penn state and they were in the middle of that law. And it's like, it's compounded by the fact that they get zero support from the crowd. But meanwhile, Michigan state somehow fumbles into cutting the deficit down to five and the whole arena goes crazy. And it was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like it was, un, it just really annoyed me. I, I, but, I think you know, I, I think I only heard the go green, go white chant one time on television. So at least there was that. That's and the only f- time they had a chance to cheer, though. And in fairness, it did seem on TV like the crowd was into it, and it was it, it, it was responsive, but not in the way that uh, it seems like you're kind of saying that it was uh, responsive in a bad way. Chad, I, I want to ask you: Do you share Eric's um, anti-Pelestra crowd was good take? I, I think that's how you put it. Um, they were, they were responsive in the sense that they like, they didn't want to get, you know, they've been hurt before and they don't want to like be invested to the point where they like, they go nuts and then they're not rewarded. So, um, I, I get it. I was trying to start some chants and some, you know, uh, wherever you, the yelling, we were on an island. In our yeah, it was pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just didn't want to get hurt again. I don't think. And I don't know. Can you blame them? Not really, but, um, they, you know, at the end of the game, they were they were great when we were when the game was in hand. So I give them a little credit, and they were and they showed up. I mean, it was, it was yeah. a sellout, and mostly Penn State the fans. So. Shouldn't have to be playing to the crowd. No, like, I know, I know. With the way they played, like I'm with you, but they they that first half was incredible, and the fact that they had to like raise their hands to get people to cheer them off the floor. It's a it's a product of having no students at the game. Well, very few students at the game, I think. Yeah. All right, uh, so, we need you. Students, yeah. we need you. Students, we need you. Eric, have you said your piece? Say what? Ha- have say? you said what what you want to say? What you wanted to yeah, get? Yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. All yeah, right. No, I got I got my rant. Yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Bye, everyone.